Ladies and gentlemen, we have breaking news. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt of the corruption of Donald Trump. Proof as to why he's been touting this unproven treatment for the coronavirus, the combination of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. What could possibly be the reason? Well, now we know Trump has financial interest in hydroxychloroquine manufacturer. New York Times, boom, we got him. This is it. Trump is finally going down. Wait, what's that? It's fake news. It's really bad fake news. It's fake news. Come on. You didn't think it was real, did you? I mean, when I first saw this story, I laughed because I'm like, I know it's fake. What's the catch? The catch is Donald Trump and his associates and allies, whatever I'm going to say, has a stake in a mutual fund, which has a small stake in a company which at one point manufactured hydroxychloroquine, which my understanding is it's, it's, it's available in generic form. It's been around for a very long time. So it's not surprising to anybody. One of the arguments, I guess, we'll read the article, is that you could argue that Trump owns stake in Microsoft, and that's why Bill Gates is coming out and doing all it's, it's ridiculous. It's another attempt by the media to spin BS when we have real problems to deal with. But for some reason, the media keeps slamming and smearing this treatment. And they, 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 we've, I got an article I want to show you. It's hilarious. They're like the right's obsession with hydroxychloroquine. And it's like, maybe it's because it's working for some people. Is there definitive proof beyond a reasonable doubt this treatment is a cure? No. Has the FDA approved it? Yes. Has the CDC said several countries have already begun using this? Yes. Is there evidence from other news outlets that other countries are using this with positive results? Yes. There's no obsession. You're just all insane in the media. Your desperate attempts to make Trump look bad at every single turn, it's just, it's obvious and we can all see it. Perhaps once the polls swung in Trump's favor, these people would have realized they're in the minority. I mean, perhaps after Trump won in 2016, they would have realized they've gotten it horribly wrong. But in their mission to tell us what to think, regardless of what is true, they've made themselves look like clowns. Dare I say this story is the perfect example of social media and mainstream media clowning themselves. Because it's not just news outlets like the New York Times. And the New York Times isn't the worst in this one. They mention a small financial interest, but these other outlets just run with it and like exaggerate what's really going on. Trump's stake in this company may be as small as $99, as if that's incentive for him to tout this, 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 this drug. But over on Reddit, on everyone's favorite politically biased subreddit, r slash politics, it's the top post where everyone's like, I knew it. The orange man is bad. Uh, you're going to love it when I, when I break this one down for you. Let's get started with this little snippet from the Daily Beast. There it is, they say. Oh, oh, is that it? Is that where it is? Interesting. Before we get started, however, head over to timcast.com slash donate. If you'd like to support my work, there's many ways you can give. But the best thing you can actually do is just share this video. Help spread the word so my, my channel can grow. And, and I mean, that honestly, YouTube suppresses content like mine. To varying degrees, they prop up mainstream media. So argue it how you want. But don't forget, hitting that like button really does help. Subscribing and hitting the notification bell. Make sure that you'll get these videos when they come up. Thanks for, for hanging up. But let's read the story for now. Daily Beast. Trump has, quote, financial interest in hydroxychloroquine manufacturer in New York Times. There it is, is the subhead. President Donald Trump has a small financial interest in the maker of an anti-malarial drug that he has been touting as a game changer in treating coronavirus, according to the New York Times. Over the past two weeks, Trump and his Fox News allies have aggressively promoted hydroxychloroquine as a potential cure, despite top infectious disease expert Dr. Anthony Fauci and others urging caution and noting that there was not enough evidence of the drug's efficacy. The Times reports 
The president's family trusts all have investments in a mutual fund whose largest holding is Sanofi, the manufacturer of Plaquenil, the brand name version of hydroxychloroquine. Associates of the president, including Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, have also run funds that hold investments in the pharmaceutical firm. You know what the funny thing about this is? I, I have some kind of service where you like deposit money and then they invest it for you. I don't, and, and not a lot, I'm not big on investing or anything like that, but I'm willing to bet Donald Trump has money and he has a wealth management firm that chooses where to put money, where, where to put his investments. And they chose a mutual fund, which includes a very small stake in many companies of which one of them at one point manufactured uh, hydroxychloroquine. They're now twisting that into like Trump personally holding a stake and they're trying to frame it. And of course, people are believing it that Trump himself is trying to profit off of this. It is fake news. And this brings me to the big problem we have with social media because I, I couldn't help but notice the number one post on r slash politics today with 6 million subscribers on Reddit, one of the biggest subreddits. If you're not familiar with Reddit, it's basically an online forum. It's one of the biggest social media sites in the world. Here it is with 44.9 thousand points, meaning people are propping it up. Trump has financial interest in hydroxychloroquine manufacturer, New York Times. Most people are going to see the headline. They're not going to read the story. They're not going to get the context because the media doesn't want to give you the context. They want you to see the headline and they want you to believe something that is not true to misrepresent it. Are you familiar with the dihydrogen monoxide hoax? It's how the media plays this game. I love talking about this. You may have heard me say it before. They'll tell you something like dihydrogen monoxide is a dangerous substance that if inhaled will kill you. And you're like, whoa, what is this? It's, it's everywhere. It's in cancer cells. They use it nuclear power plants. <gasps> oh, oh, gasp. What is it? We must get rid of it. It's water. It's a fancy way of saying water and framing it so that you get confused. That's what they're doing. And it's sad because look at the comments. You know how you know it's true because he can pronounce hydroxychloroquine without butchering it. You know, it's really funny. When Trump first mentioned hydroxychloroquine, he was smeared in the media for not being able to pronounce it. Now he's being smeared because he can pronounce it. And they're saying that that's proof he's manufacturing it. It's absolutely insane. People saying, oh, it rings true. Here's one. One comforting thing about the Trump White House is that you aren't forced to choose between malice and incompetence. It's always both. Gary Kasparov says one tweet. Here's another one from wartime president to profiteer in less than a week. At least he keeps it on brand. Not one of these people pointing out, follow Trump's money. It tells the whole tale always follow his debt. Is anybody going to point out he has like $99? Oh, now they're saying another company was paying Michael Cohen. Yes, many people with many companies. All right. I hope this gets investigated 10% as much as Benghazi or 5% as much as Whitewater or 3% as much as Hillary's emails. It's already been investigated. And you know what the craziest thing is? George Conway, notorious never Trumper, defended Donald Trump. This nearly made my head explode because that's how insane this story is. It's so absurd that even never Trumper people like George Conway are like, stop this. Are you kidding me? Oh, but we'll get to this. Here it comes. The Huffington Post with their grand story. Donald Trump has stake in hydroxychloroquine drug maker report. The president has repeatedly touted the anti-malarial drug as a coronavirus treatment, despite a lack of medical evidence. You see what they're trying to make you believe, right? Like he's only pushing this drug because it is going to make him money. Welcome to the world of fake news. 
Here's one from the Detroit uh, Metro Times. Trump and associates have financial stake. Yeah, 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 we get it. Here's the intercept. Untested COVID-19 treatment. Trump talks up can have fatal side effects. Cardiologists warn. Come on, the intercept. You're usually better than this. You can't go and rag on all of the, the Russiagate fake news for years and then pump out this trash. Every drug has a side effect. You can't take a sleeping medication without getting a stuffing or without, you know, without getting a tummy ache or something. We get it. Drugs have side effects. It's why we try not to use them and we use them when we need to, only when the treatment is, is you know, it's what, what's being relieved is more important than the symptoms. Like, let me, let me rephrase that. You might take a medication, it gives you stomach cramps, but maybe it cures something, right? Perhaps you've got a dangerous viral infection and there are dangerous side effects, but the side effects are not that bad relative to what's actually coming for you. In the story, they too bring up this, this ridiculous uh, uh, argument. One of the problems with knowing, here's a quote, one of the problems with knowing very little about the Trump family finances, the New York Times columnist Jim Al Bowie wrote, is when the president gets fixated on something like hydroxychloroquine, we don't know if it reflects his obsession with quick fixes and miracle cures or if he's trying to juice an investment. Ah, is that what he's doing? The New York Times reported on Monday that Trump does have a small personal financial interest in Sanofi, the French drug maker that makes Plaquenil the brand or, or Placnil, the brand name version of hydroxychloroquine. In a financial disclosure released last year, the president listed among his assets three family trusts that invested in a, in a Dodge and Cox mutual fund, which had shares of Sanofi as its largest holding. And that's it. The Intercept, what are you doing? I normally say, like, I got good, you know, look, The Intercept said that Donald Trump is simultaneously the most honest and most, you know, dishonest president we've ever had. They've praised him for being honest about foreign policy. They've, they've trashed him for, for uh, domestic policy. They've called out the fake news. But here they are pulling this out of context. Let me show you what's really going on. In this story from Market Watch, here's all you need. Trump's personal stake in the malaria drug maker Sanofi could be as small as $99. Are you kidding me? There's no story here. The media lied. And the only reason I have to talk about it now is because they lied and people believe it. And it breaks my heart, you know, within reason, I guess, that there's going to be many people who just, well, it does break my heart, that there are people who believe this insane lie about the president, and they do this all the time. I, 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 it breaks my heart that people won't watch this video. You know, you'll try and share it with them, and they're going to say, like, no, I don't need to see it. I know Trump's doing it anyway. Yeah, some people would, they, they, they want to hate the president more than they want solutions. Check out this story from Market Watch. As President Donald Trump has persistently, persistently discussed the malaria drug hydroxychloroquine, critics have wondered about his motivation given the drug's far from certain performance on the global stage as a treatment for coronavirus and the FDA's refusal so far to approve it as a treatment for COVID-19. Well, there, there's emergency use. So the FDA has approved it for emergency use. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. I got the stories pulled up. The New York Times says Trump has a small personal stake in Sanofi, the French manufacturer. The report doesn't say how small, but it notes that his three family trusts have investments in Dodge and Cox Mutual Fund, whose largest holding is Sanofi, a fund that matches this description in the Dodge and Cox International Stock Fund, DODFX, which at last check was 3.3 invested in Sanofi. Trump's 20, you see how they also say it's the biggest holding at 3.3%. Oh, so it's tiny, but it's bigger than everyone else. Trump's 2019 financial disclosure lists stakes in family trusts one, two, and three valued at between 1,000 and 15,000. So if Trump has the maximum 15,000 in each of the trusts, he holds a stake in Sanofi that's worth around $1,485 and at the minimum, just $99, even at the maximum. 
That's nothing. I mean, 1500 bucks isn't nothing, but in terms of like an investment for a billionaire, come on, man, you're lying to us. Now, what else can I say? It turns out he does, he does look to have more than that modest sum invested in Sanofi because unmentioned in the Times report, his trusts also hold broader European stock market index funds. The iShares core MC, uh, MSCI, yeah, 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 has 0.67% uh, of its holdings in Sanofi. And Sanofi is a 0.78% holding of iShares, which is neither surprising nor notable in that the French drug maker is so large. And Trump has a small stake in basically every big company you can think of. In each of the trusts, the biggest fund holding is just the broader SPDR, S&P 500 ETF, in which Trump holds between two hundred dollars and $450,000, according to his financial disclosure firms. So one could say Trump has $22,000 or so invested in Microsoft and nearly as much in Apple. Another point worth making is how little the malaria drug means to Sanofi's bottom line. In 2019, what the company calls Placnil wasn't even broken out by name in the company's financial accounts, while 33 other medications were. That is hardly surprising, as the drug has been around since the 1950s and is available generically. A host of other companies are making the medication, including Amnil Pharmaceuticals and Teva Pharmaceutical. But of course, a tiny holding proves Trump is profiteering. Here's Donald Trump Jr. with a response. The same media that has absolutely no problem with Hunter Biden taking $1.5 billion directly from the Chinese government has a problem with that real Donald Trump may own $99 of a stock through a mutual fund that happens to make a drug he's hopeful could work against the pandemic. F.U. Of course, Donald Trump Jr. is a little biased. But there's his statement, so you can see it straight from the family. Market Watch shows us that Trump actually has a, you know, a bit larger holding than just $99. But even still, it's not really that much. And to argue that this company is, is you know, manufacturing this outright as its largest product or something, it's just mis- it's, it's a total, total fabrication. It's a game of telephone. So, so ridiculous. The, the assumptions made here, just absolutely insane. But of course, the media has constantly been writing negative stories about this treatment, which to me, I just, I, I understand why they're doing it, right? But, but it's, it's, it's so downright evil, if you were to ask me. Here's Vox. The evidence for using hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID-19 is flimsy. Why experts say we need clinical trials before using the drug to treat the coronavirus? I assure you, I can go and find an expert in anything to say what I, what, what, what I, what I need to hear, what I want to hear. But if you actually go and talk to some of these doctors who have said positive things, then maybe get a more balanced approach. Of course, we need clinical trials. Of course, we're looking at emergency use for the most part. What do we do? Nothing. Many doctors have said they're using it because what else can they do? And anecdotally, they've seen some positive results so far. Even Andrew Cuomo has said as much. You know, you can tell it's fake news because every single time Trump says it, they screech. And every, every single time Democrat Andrew Cuomo says it, they don't care. How can it, how can both coexist? It doesn't make sense. The media has nothing to say about Cuomo, but praise. He says it's working. But Trump negativity, then you should know they're just lying about the president to make him look bad. This one's my favorite. Salon.com. Behind the right's obsession with a miracle cure for coronavirus, it's not just about Trump. The conservative run on anti-malarial drugs sparked by Trump is also about deep-rooted hostility to public health. A serious salon? You know what, man? If, if there, there's a joke that if Donald Trump came out in favor of oxygen, they would hold their breaths, and it seems like they're actually doing. Another joke is that if Trump cured cancer, they'd somehow spin it negative. Well. Trump has not said it's a miracle cure. He said it may work. It may not. That's a direct quote. And the media has gone 
into overtime to smear the possibility to smear the president and this, this, this treatment, which doctors are absolutely using. Over at IB, uh, International Business Times, hydroxychloroquine saves lives. Detroit Democrat thanks Trump for the drug he touted for COVID-19 recovery. Now, here we get some real news. I'll tell you what, because if you're a Democrat, and you don't like the president, but you're suffering and the treatment works, you're going to come out and be like, thank you for saving my life. I mean, not everybody, but at least some. Michigan State Rep Karen Whitsitt, a Democrat from the Detroit area, began to fall ill and tested positive for COVID-19 on Monday, March 30th. Her doctor prescribed hydroxychloroquine and some other medications. Her symptoms began to ease shortly after. What makes Whitsitt's case unique, aside from her being a public figure, is that she is expressing gratitude to President Donald J. Trump, often viewed as the devil incarnate by the mainstream press and many Democrats. She said during an interview with the Detroit Free Press, it is a lot to do with the president bringing it up. He's the only person who has the power to make it a priority. When asked if Trump saved her life, the Democratic politician responded, yes, I do. I thank him for that. Bravo, madame. You have my utmost respect for just calling it like you see it. I, uh, there's, it's, it's anecdotal still. There could have been other treatments. Maybe she just beat it on her own. But the fact is, for now, many people are seeing positive results. Many countries are using it. And this Democrat had no problem saying, thank you, Trump, for making this a priority. I respect that 100%. It's not about a conservative or a liberal policy position. Whether, the, whether this treatment should or shouldn't be available shouldn't be about left or right. But for some reason, that's where politics is going. I thought politics was supposed to be like, do you want more taxes or less taxes? Big government, small government. Do you want social programs or do you want to you know, reduce taxes and, and get rid of these programs? All of a sudden now it's like, should we use a treatment other countries are, are should, we, should we use this treatment that other countries use? And sure enough, now it's become a tribalist issue. We can see over at the New York Post. Medical group endorses anti-malarial drug treatments for coronavirus patients. Here's the Guardian. Controversial drug hydroxychloroquine to be given to coronavirus patients in Australia. Even the, even the Guardian acknowledging countries are doing this. Now, here's one of the most egregious. Nevada governor found hoarding hydroxychloroquine after banning use of the drug. That's amazing. Nevada governor Steve Sisolak, Democrat, had a knee-jerk reaction to President Trump's optimism about a malarial drug that might be an effective treatment for the Wuhan coronavirus. Trump was hopeful about the drug, so anti-Trump Democrats like Sisolak were against it. Sisolak banned, uh, he banned it as a treatment for COVID-19, ostensibly over concern of hoarders stockpiling the medicine and causing shortages for patients who use the drug for other ailments like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. But while the government restricted, while the governor restricted the public from receiving the potentially life-saving drug, Nevada's Department of Corrections began stockpiling the drug for prisoners. So maybe that's why they came out against it. They don't, they don't want everyone to go buy it before they get a chance to do it, huh? At least that's in one instance. After mocking Trump for promoting hydroxychloroquine, journalists acknowledge it might treat the coronavirus. Well, they got to start coming around at some point. That's the game. That's been the game so far. The media is a month behind where Trump is. They mocked and ridiculed him over his travel ban with China. They kept saying there was nothing to worry about with coronavirus. And then later on, flipped around and started accusing Trump of downplaying things. The Democrats who weren't doing anything pertaining to, to, to the coronavirus accused the, Trump, uh, accused the Trump administration of being too slow on this. Well, you know what? I don't think it matters. The public knows better. The fake news is so insanely egregious and obvious that the media is losing their narrative. Zogby poll, majorities of important swing voters say Trump far more fit than Biden to handle coronavirus pandemic. Maybe it's because Trump said this is a promising thing other countries are using. People had positive results with it. Andrew Cuomo praised it. And the media tried spinning the narrative against Trump, ignoring everyone else. 
We have this story. COVID backfiring on media. New polling shows Trump thrashing Biden, likely thanks to virus fallout. And this is a Washington Post ABC poll. Trump has moved from what was a seven point deficit in February to a near tie with Biden today, the Washington Post reported. Among registered voters, Trump is favored by 47%, just two points behind Biden's 49%. Absolutely amazing. And now we can talk about, you know, hell freezing over. Amidst all of these polls, Donald Trump doing better than ever, we're seeing some of his harshest critics and people that really don't like him kind of agreeing with him now. Maybe it's because he's not that bad. Maybe it's because in in this particular instance, he's actually kind of good. You want to talk about building the wall, his attitude, the people he's mocked, the names, his his candor, his character, his foreign policy. I mean, those are are discussions for, for debate, for sure. You want to talk about the coronavirus response? Could he be doing a better job? I honestly don't know. It seems like he's doing all right, and many people agree with him. So we're all kind of on the same page, right? Bolton joins calls for World Health Organization's director's resignation, accomplice to China's massive cover-up. Wow. Criticism of the WHO. That's from John Bolton. Here's one. Donald Trump hints at cutting WHO funding over coronavirus handling, says they really blew it. But how about some of these tweets? This one from Jordan Lancaster. So far during quarantine, AOC and Ilhan Omar agreed with Tucker Carlson. What? (laughs) Conservatives agreed with David Hogg. What? And George Conway defended Trump. The world is ending. I have to agree, Jordan. David Hogg said being in the pocket of several million Americans and controlling what they see is a Chinese intelligence agency wet dream. Yes, cancel TikTok. Okay, David Hogg. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeting out support for Tucker Carlson. Ilhan Omar saying I am 100% with Tucker Carlson. And then we can see when someone tweeted out the fake news about Trump's holdings in, in, in in this company. Ian Sam says, wow, New York Times reports Trump himself has a financial stake in the French company that makes the brand name version of hydroxychloroquine. George Conway says he owns some mutual funds that hold Sanofi and the medication is off patent. The suggestion that this is significant is a huge stretch. Wow, really? That's kind of surprising for sure. But of course, people just want to make the president look bad. At a time when we should be taking things seriously, Dr. Fauci says normal life won't resume until 2021 once we get a vaccine. So what's going to happen? We're going to make the vaccine. Trump's going to say, here we go. Dr. Fauci was right. We've got the vaccine. And the media is going to smear and slam him and say he's not doing it right. To me, it's just absurd. How are we supposed to function this way? If, if everything Trump says is always bad, you know, the, the joke is that uh, there was a Babylon Bee article, satirical site saying Trump, an ingenious move, Trump comes out in favor of impeachment, forcing Democrats to oppose. It really is like that, isn't it? Trump should probably start coming out against himself more often. Well, there you go. Um, I don't know if this treatment is, is the miracle cure. Some people hope it is. There's preliminary findings, but Trump said it best. It may work. It may, may not, but I'm hopeful. I agree. Countries, many countries are using it. Using it. Australia, I believe uh, China is. Cuomo said they've seen positive results. So hopefully we get better data showing that this is confirmed. Or if not, maybe the placebo effect really does help people. I have no idea. But the media's attempt to smear and lie all the time is just frankly tiring. I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at 6 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcastnews. And I will see you all there. Oh, no. The, the poor, delicate flowers, the reporters, Trump was saying mean things to them. Quick, 
write a story about it so everyone knows how we feel. Journalists shouldn't be doing this. You go to a press briefing, you ask a question. The president says something mean. It's irrelevant. It has nothing to do with the question that was asked. Instead, what journalists end up doing is writing these stories about how the president was mean to me. I don't care. And it's nothing to do with what's going on. And it's not your job to write a diary post about why you're upset the president was mean to you. We get it. But you know what happens? It's, it's this circular thing where the media was chasing after what they called the Trump bump repeatedly smearing and ragging on the president like clockwork because it makes them money. It gets them clicks. People just love to hate the guy. Trump deserve, deserves some responsibility for that for sure because he leans into it. But as John Stewart said, he goes after the ego of these people and they have very large egos. So they take it all personally and then do exactly what, what Trump would expect or what, what, what works for Trump. He, it proves that he's right. So I'm not saying, you know, he's, he's making him do this. He's right. When he calls them out and he, and he, and he says they're bad reporters or he, he calls out the lies, he's right. There was one guy the other day who said something about uh, an official being recently appointed and Trump was like, when, when? And the guy goes, well, under Obama. Oh, there it is. Falsely framing what's going on for political points. They don't care about reporting the news. They care about getcha. I'm going to getcha. I'm going to write it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a question and it's going to be loaded in a certain way. So the Huffington Post writes this story. Trump repeatedly attacks reporters in coronavirus briefing. And, and, and I'll point out some of this stuff because there's some really interesting stuff. Like apparently one of these journalists works for a Chinese Communist Party propaganda outlet. Trump tried calling her out and they try and accuse Trump of being racist for doing so because it's a woman of color. Oh, you know what, man? You're not, I'm not, I'm not interested. I don't care. I care that there's Chinese propaganda being invited into the White House press briefings and we can't even get, you know, they, they want to kick out One American News for being, you know, for, for, for being biased, I guess, and liking the president. But the Chinese propaganda stuff, that's OK. All right, you're nuts. But I think there, there's a bigger reason why they do it. It's not just about, you know, the Trump bump and getting ratings. It's, it's a political advantage. You may have known because you've probably watched more of my videos, if you have, that Donald Trump's approval rating is through the roof. It's, he's doing really, really well because his press briefings are reaching the American people. And the American people like what he's saying, but it's also exposing these journalists and how they lie. In one interaction, one guy falsely quoted Donald Trump saying, you said you want them to be appreciative, or, or, otherwise you won't call them. And Trump goes, read the full quote, read the full quote. Trump said, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the first responders and the administration. And oh, there it is. He actually gets them to, to admit they're misrepresenting what's going on. Well, people can see that when they watch these press briefings. So all of a sudden we see these activists, people who are like pro-Biden for whatever reason, are like, please stop airing Trump's press briefings. Oh, poor babies. You don't like the fact that when the president gets a direct line to the people, they see you're lying? It's exactly what we have right now. I'll come back to this and we can read about the, if you want, you can lick the tears off the face of these reporters who are upset that the orange man was mean. But we have this from Steve Guest. Admittedly, Steve Guest is GOP's rapid response director. So you know, it's going to, it's, it's, it's biased, I guess, to an ex, to, to, what, to whatever extent you want to say it is biased, but he brings up a good and important point that can't be ignored just because he is working for the GOP. doesn't mean he's wrong. CNN's Anderson Cooper claims no timeline for PPE has been provided after CNN refused to air press conferences during which military officers provided a timeline for PPE. It's worse than that, Steve. There's something you missed. In this interaction, you see Anderson Cooper talking with Chuck Schumer. Anderson Cooper says, we don't even know what the timeline is. You know, what's the plan? Who's going to make what? We don't even understand. Anderson Cooper is, is spinning a, a, a narrative 
that supports the political movements of Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer wanted a coronavirus czar, suggested it to the president. I actually responded, you know, in one of my segments when he did saying, I appreciate there's effort. You know, Chuck Schumer trying to come out and say, I think this will help. It's a million times better than Pelosi and Schiff saying, but we'll investigate. No, 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 no. I, I, I do. Th- I, I will give some respect to Chuck Schumer for, for coming out and saying, I think a centralized figure overseeing everything will be a good idea. The issue, does it really matter? So, so I can respect that he's at least trying to do something. He's like, hey, I can help. Well, look, man, we don't really need your help. I appreciate it, but I get it. I do think there's some good points to be made about having, you know, he's calling it a coronavirus czar, a central figure. So again, again, you know, I'll give some respect. But what the media has done here is tried to create a reason for why this should exist. And it doesn't really need to. Trump's got the task force. He's got a group of individuals who are all working on this together. It's, it's, it's not like they're not meeting with each other. They are. They have briefings every day. They know what everyone is doing. So perhaps... But the other issue is that Mike Pence is essentially in charge and overseeing everything. So again, while Chuck Schumer is seemingly trying to do something, there's nothing to be done. So what does CNN do? CNN makes it seem like everything's out of control. Oh, harumph. Oh, oh no. We, you, Chuck Schumer, you're right. In reality, CNN has stopped airing Donald Trump's press events because you would have actually seen, as Steve Guest points out, there is a timeline. There are experts. There are military personnel. There is Mike Pence. All of these things are happening. So, you know, to, as much as I can say it's better that Schumer is actually trying to do something coronavirus related, I'll point out it's, it's, you're not adding anything. You're just mucking things up. It's not doing anything. You know what I mean? So uh, again, look, man, I got to throw shade at Pelosi and Schiff because they're like oversight committees and investigations. That, that's not helping anybody. What are you doing? Well, let's get back to the press, the press, you know, I'm, 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 I'm ragging on media today, at least for now. Steve Guest says, here's some helpful clips for Anderson Cooper and Chuck Schumer. April 5th, Rear Admiral John Palauchik have a, uh, quote, or I'm sorry, you know, Colin, have a military plan to rapidly deploy thousands of ventilators where needed across the country. April 5th, Rear Admiral, Admiral John Palauchik, using advanced data to geographically align flow of millions of medical supplies. Looks like a plan coming from a, you know, ranking military uh, person, and they're doing a pretty good job of things. Rear Admiral uh, Plachik, going to facilities in China to ensure quality of all equipment being sent to the U.S. on April 2nd. Same, same guy. Using advanced analytics to expand and coordinate the supply chain and indus- industrial base. It's almost like there's a reason the American people started approving of Donald Trump's handling of the coronavirus. It's almost like they're starting to see the media is lying. Gallup poll, Trump's approval on coronavirus, 60%. Media's approval, 44%. CBS poll, I believe it was 45% trust the president, 44% trust the media. People slightly more likely to trust the president. When you watch this, what do you see? You see a rear admiral saying, here's our plan. Here's our mission. Here's what we're doing. It's not Trump who's saying that. You want to rag on Trump? Do it, please. Rag on the guy. I don't care. But this is Rear Admiral John Palauchek, who's telling you what his plan is, what his timeline is. And so sure enough, they stop airing this. CNN and and the other outlets cut him off and accuse him of lying. It's like, is Dr. Burks, Fauci, Palauchek, and Pence all lying too? It's a task force. It's a group of people. And guess what? You know who the most trustworthy figures are in this whole thing? It's Fauci and Dr. Burks. And if you don't like them, that's fine. I don't care. Most people say they're nonpartisan. They're doctors. I'm going to trust them. Even people who like Trump are like, well, you know, I can respect Trump is trying to get things back on track and help the country. But 
you know, Dr. Burks is a doctor. There are even people who recognize that. So what ends up happening, you get the press, they cut off the press briefings. And then when that, when that, when the White House Correspondent Association allows Jim Acosta to run amok, even though one of like the top dudes at the White House Correspondent Association, uh, Correspondent Association has ragged on Jim Acosta, they just let him do his thing, ranting and raving and wasting our time. They also invite Phoenix Media. So apparently, check out, check, check this out over at the, uh, the whiny, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the whiny Offening Post article, Trump repeatedly attacks reporters. They actually bring up this interaction. So let me, let me see if I can find it. Uh, they mention Trump talks to a woman and at, here we go. At Monday's briefing, he pointedly asked another, uh, asked reporter, Yu Yu Wang, who is Asian, if she is working for the Chinese government. Who are you working for? China? You work for China or are you with the newspaper? Trump asked, to which the reporter noted she works for Phoenix TV in Hong Kong. Is that, is, is that it? That's all they want to put in. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's Ryan Saavedra. CNN's fact checker just believes this reporter. She works for China. A large portion of the company is owned by China. And there's a link here to, I believe it's like, um, and this document is a statement from Phoenix Media about you know who owns it and runs it. He says, the founder and CEO of the company, who owns roughly one third of the company, was a colonel in the Chinese military. Phoenix Media is the only organization that's apparently allowed to broadcast in Chinese. I mean, this is an old article, but the, the, the fact remains, why, why are we allowing Chinese propaganda to air, period? I'm not here to rag on this individual reporter. I think it's stupid that Huffington Post, like, who's Asian? Yeah, okay, I don't care. I don't, I don't care if, it, look, Trump asked her if she worked for China, not because she's Asian, because she made a very verbose statement about all of the good things China was doing. And then Trump was like, that was a statement, not a question. Are you working for China? That's, that's, that's what they don't want you to see. They don't want you to see it because in the Huffington Post can frame it as though he targeted a random woman who just happens to be Asian. I roll, please. Well, now we can, uh, uh, we can take a look over this article from the National Interest. Why is the media censoring Trump and showing Chinese propaganda? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Apparently, there's some like, you know, pro-China YouTubers who are coming after me, and I just don't care. <laughs> you got nothing on me, dudes. I really don't care. I get, I get so much flack from people. I made a bunch of videos ragging on China. Yeah, because China has done a lot of bad things. And uh, apparently... They're calling me a conspiracy theorist because of, I've talked about like the Uyghur camps. Well, over here in America, we have news outlets like the New York Times, which have talked about this. So uh, at least in this country, no, I'm sorry, that's not true. You got an issue with my commentary? I use verified third uh, sources. So uh, I'll go with the New York Times on this one. Even though I'm very critical of the Times and the Washington Post and many of these outlets, and I am literally criticizing these reporters, one thing you need to understand is that there are good reporters. They exist. Unfortunately, many of the people in the White House Correspondent Association are political in nature. So they're going there trying to get you. Gotcha. They were great journalists, people who actually do conflict, crisis, international reporting, who ignore all of this stuff. I am friends with many of these people. I trust them. They're very, very smart. And some of them can be opinionated. And many of them don't like the president, but they're honest about what's happening around the world. I trust them. I do. Sorry, I'm not going to trust the, uh, the Chinese propaganda outlets or the pro-Chinese YouTubers. But here's what we get in the United States. The media shuts down Trump's press events where our president is literally talking to the American people. And even if he's lying, we should be able to hear what he's saying. And then the media should just fact check, you know, whatever. Of course, they'll misrepresent and misframe what he's saying. It's what they've been doing the, the, the entire time. So let, let, me, let me read this for you from the national interest. They say the lack of regular White House press briefings used to be decried as the end of democracy. Yeah, that's right. Now it's the now it's daily White House briefings that represent the end of democracy. You see how this game is played? 
Trump used to do briefings all the time. Then they stopped and the media started screaming and wiggling their arms in the air and going, you know, like turkeys running around. And now that Trump is doing these press briefings, they're like, ha ha, now we're going to go cover them. But uh oh, the media can't falsely frame what's going on. Trump started a task force, many credible people, high ranking members of the military are all coming out to tell you how they're here to fight for you. So the media said, quick, shut it down, shut it down. People like it. The American people support Trump. Oh no, we can't have that. You know the way, the way I see it is, I think Trump's got character defects and I'm putting that lightly, but if the American people like it, it's not for me to tell you whether you should or shouldn't like it. I certainly think the man is funny. I certainly think he lacks professional candor to say the least, but I'm, I don't think I'm smarter, better, or should tell people what to do, what to think, or who to vote for. I just do my thing. You do yours and I'll try and talk about how I feel. But the media disagrees with that. These, these big media companies think they should tell you what to think. They should tell you who to vote for. And we've heard it. I don't know if you've seen that clip. It was like Micah Brzezinski on MSNBC where she said something like, it's our job to tell people what to think. It's not my job to tell anybody what to think. I have an inverted view of that. I'm telling you what I think. And I frequently refer to myself as someone who just complains on the internet. I don't think my opinion is necessarily better than anybody else's. I'm just telling you what I think when I see this. So here's what we get. The media has no standard for what they do. They'll all screech and cry that Donald Trump isn't having press briefings. And then as soon as he does, they'll scream and cry that, well, but now he's lying. You called him a liar before. What changed? If you said he lied all day, every day last time, and you were mad he shut down the press briefings, and you know why they were mad? They were like, now no one can call out Trump. Well, here's your opportunity every single day. Oh, what's that? Oh, no, the people started to like it. Better shut it down. Yeah, instead we'll get Chinese propaganda. Actress Jane Lynch demanded on Twitter on Monday that President Donald Trump end his daily press briefings and the media stop covering them. Lest one think this is just one misguided voice in the dark crevasse that is celebrity Twitter punditry, there's now a petition by the left-wing activist organization Move On to get news outlets to stop covering the briefings. These people have no standards. I'm glad they're doing this. I'm happy though. You know why? Because you think this is going to bolster your case? Do you think the American people are now going to be like, they stopped airing Trump's press briefings? That makes sense. I trust the media now. No, they're going to say, where can I watch Trump's press briefings? I'm bored and want to know what's going on. I'm worried. I'm panicked. Where's my stimulus check? How do I find out? Well, there's one way to find out. Fox News, who still airs the press briefings. But these other big outlets aren't doing it. So I I think there will be some people who are blinded for sure. Something I noticed, if you look to like what uh, Alyssa Milano has been doing recently, endorsing Joe Biden, and flip-flopping on the, and the entirety of the Me Too movement has just collapsed. You know, look, you, you, you can argue with me about it. You can be angry about it. Alyssa Milano started the hashtag. I believe she did. She said something like, if everyone tweeted Me Too. Well, then she goes out and endorses Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is credibly accused, right? Alyssa Milano then stands by him and says he deserves due process, a complete reversal on where she was before. There are people who won't pay attention, who won't read the news, who will ignore all of this. And the media won't talk about Joe Biden and the accusations against him because it's how the media operates. The good journalists, the ones who are doing on the ground beat reporting, who travel overseas, their stories are the sidelines. Front and center is always the political nonsense, the political agenda. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that newspapers endorse presidents at all? You got an answer for me? Because I don't know. What's why, why should why should I listen to what the New York Times editorial board thinks? And all these newspapers, they always endorse the Democrat. You should not be endorsing anybody. You're, you're, I mean, at, at the very least, I'm glad you're exposing your bias. 
And they might say, we're not biased. Your newspaper endorsed Hillary Clinton. What are you talking about? Of course you're biased. The people you work for, the editors, the editorial board, the people who, pay, who, who, who sign your checks, they have opinions. They want you to cover certain stories. They want certain things framed certain ways. You know what that means? Here's how it works. There's a reason why. Well, for me, there's a reason why I don't work for any of these big companies. These companies don't force you to be biased, right? I've worked for, you know, Vice. I've worked for an ABC News Univision joint venture called Fusion. They don't, you know, sit you down and say, it's about time you start lying. Except in the case of me, I guess it, it, it does happen sometimes. But let me explain. You know, so for, so me personally, I was told to just side with the audience, whatever that means. And I said, no, I'm going to report what's true and factual to the best of my ability. And they didn't like that. So I kind of got, you know, golden handcuffs, to say the least. It's a well-paid Disney job. Can't say, it, you know, the, the pay was bad. The pay was fantastic. But I couldn't do a lot of what I wanted to do. I was still able to get out the content I wanted, but not with any of their support. And then I tried quitting. It's a long story. But here's what these companies actually do. You apply for a job at one of these media outlets. The people who run them will talk to you. They'll ask you some questions. How do you feel about the president? How do you feel about the election? Who did you vote for? Things like that. They might not necessarily ask all of these things, but they know who you are. And of course, they are biased. They're, they, these, I'm not talking about journalists. I'm talking about the people who run these companies. And they're thinking to themselves, what's going to get the most traffic? Well, right now, the Trump bump is gold. It's lucrative, right? Okay. If you come in and you say that you like the president, they're going to be like, that's really, really great. Yeah, absolutely. Have a nice day. They're not going to hire you because you won't write the rage bait nonsense about the orange man that will get them the traffic they want or need. So there, there is a, a, certain, uh, a certain acceptance that you could make pro-Trump content and make money, or you could make anti-Trump content and make money. And their bet is that anti-Trump makes slightly more. So that's what their goal is. They don't force people to be biased. They hire biased people these biased people then say, I am just a reporter. I am saying what I need to say. And meanwhile, upstairs, they're going like all of this rage bait against the president is golden. Of course, they'll argue the same thing about me, but I'll tell you this. Within reason, there is an argument to be made about people like me and independent commentators over our views. And there's, there's similarities. My content is often poking at the media and the Democrats and all that stuff with relatively, you know, uh, with, with videos that are critical of Repub- Republicans being somewhat few and far between. Well, that's just me as an individual. These are my opinions. I'm not perfect. I don't care what you want to call me. You can call me anything you want. I tend not to agree for the most part with a lot of conservative political policy positions, but I'm not a super strong, you know, hardcore Democrat for the most part. In fact, the people I was very excited about, Andrew Yang, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, who are you know no longer running, and I don't even agree for the most part with many of their positions, but there was just slightly more that I considered. And that's what I've consistently said. And I explained all this. I think Andrew Yang's fantastic. The UBI thing, mm, not a big fan of, but he's, he's a very smart guy. He's got a ton of comprehensive policy positions that I thought were very smart and very rational. And I respected that. So you can call me whatever you want, but here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. When I make content, I'm just a dude complaining on the internet. Here's my thoughts, my feelings, my opinions. Here's a story. Here's my source. Here's why I trust it. Here's why I don't. When you look at these big media companies, they purposefully empower people and create a structure around a goal. The people upstairs have an editorial mission. They know what they want written. They know who will write it and they build infrastructure around it with the intent of orange man bad so they can make money. On the internet, there is, I believe it is fair to say that there are certain ideas that tend to do better than others. If you come out and say that, you know, you're one of these lizard people, conspiracy people, you know, believers, you're not going to get a big audience. 
If you come out and you talk about your political opinions and it aligns with a certain group of people, you will likely build an audience. But that's natural growth from personalities who have opinions. Nobody empowered me to do anything I'm doing. I just started doing it. And over time, this is where I ended up. How the media companies work is they get venture capital. They get hundreds of millions of dollars invested. They then seek out people who have these opinions and pay them to write those opinions to make money. There's a difference between someone who naturally rises on social media who holds his opinions and companies that are building them on purpose and empowering people who are not popular. I'll put it this way. These people who constantly write the rage bait, they don't have very large followings. They have very small followings. They're not particularly influential. You probably couldn't even name many of them, but they are given access to resources and a major and a major platform to espouse these views that most people don't agree with, but it then starts poisoning people's minds, which, which brings me to, you know, I'll, I'll wrap it up here. This is what a, a segment I did the other day that the media smears are backfiring horrifyingly on the Democrats. And the best example is hydroxychloroquine. Donald Trump came out and said, there's some promising studies. It's already been approved by the FDA for other uses. So it may work. It may not. The media went 100% smear against the president over this, even though the CDC says other countries are, are, are recommending this, that it's, it's, it's approved for use, and the FDA has approved emergency use. This is all fact, the CDC.gov website. But the media smears them relentlessly. They make things up because they want to get that, that sweet, sweet moolah. Well, then what ends up happening is Democratic politicians believing all of this they then say that Trump should be charged with murder or, or held, you know, by, you know, charged with the internet by the inter- International Criminal Court. They then start with, uh, withholding access to this life-saving medication. Now, I, I say life-saving in the sense that it's already for use for other things like lupus and arthritis. I don't know about, uh, um, you know, as it pertains to uh, COVID. There are some promising results, but as far as the only thing I can really tell you is I don't know, but it's been approved for emergency use. And there's anecdotal data, according to Governor Cuomo, they've had positive results. It's the best I can say. I'm not going to lie and pretend it's been bad. Cuomo said it was good. I don't care if the orange man is good or bad. He said it might, might work. It might not. What are you supposed to say to that? It's like, you're right. It might work. It might not. There are your two choices. But the media will lie and say Trump's touting a dangerous, you know, chemical concoction or whatever. Then Democratic politicians will read those things and get really, really angry and all flustered and then call for things that make no sense and actually cause harm to people. And the only reason the media is writing these negative stories about this stuff is because Trump said it, because their interest is not in having a genuine principled opinion. It's about orange man bad. That's why I have no problem saying Trump's foreign policy moves I have not been a fan of and I've been very critical of over and over again. And foreign policy, for the most part, is the thing I usually have criticisms of. And it's probably related to the fact that I used to travel around the world covering a lot of you know, civil unrest and things like that. So I'm not going to go through the long list, but there are many things that I've criticized the president over. But when it comes to domestic policy, I'm more of a shrug, ambivalent, and not entirely sure, though I lean a little to the left. That's what you're going to get from me. From the media, you're going to get defense of Chinese propaganda if it makes the president look bad. You're going to see them invite in Chinese propaganda. You're going to see them ignore things like uh, what, what Jim Acosta does, standing up and just hooting at people and, and not even asking any real questions. And they're doing it because they want money. Let me wrap this up. I don't want to make this one too long. The easiest way to understand everything is not just the money, but also in this segment Steve Guest posted, where you can see Anderson Cooper lying to justify Chuck Schumer's policy of appointing this czar. Anybody who's being honest would say there's a task force in place already, and Mike Pence is in charge. I think things are going well, and most Americans agree. 
by not showing you the press events. They're free to lie to their audience. And they're trying to make Chuck Schumer seem like he's doing a good job. I don't, you, you know what? That's the politics of it. But I think, I think I've uh, beaten the dead horse. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. The date is March 23rd, 1775. Patrick Henry is giving his famous historical speech at the Second Virginia Convention, which will turn the tides in the Revolutionary War, providing soldiers from Virginia to the war effort, where he utters his most famous phrase, give me liberty or give me death. Unless, of course, there's a war or something, because then, you know, no liberty. I mean, you got you got you, you need security to which everyone at the convention noddingly agreed that, that that's right. I mean, if there's a war, you know, we got to have more security. And then he says, you know, and, and not even war, like like terrorism, because then, you know, somebody could go out and do something. So so, uh, you know, if and everyone noddingly agrees, you're right, right. In terrorism, we can't we can't have any liberty. And then he goes, and, and you know what else? Like, what if people are sick? Like we just have, we, you know, like a plague or something. Yeah. If people are getting sick, no, no liberty. And everyone's like, yeah, that's a good point. Right. And he says, okay, so, so give me liberty or give me death unless there's war, maybe terror, and maybe there's a, like a virus or something. And everyone says, here, here. And the convention comes to an end. That's exactly how it happened. No, it, it, not at all. He said, give me liberty or give me death, regardless of all of those things. And that's why it's a famous statement. And there are reasons why liberty won out authoritarianism does not work. And now we're getting tons of examples of just how stupid and insane our system is for adopting authoritarian measures to combat the coronavirus. Now, the coronavirus is a serious threat. We all acknowledge that. People absolutely need to be social distancing. Stay at home, stay safe. But not everyone is doing this and it's putting us at risk as a community. With our rights also comes responsibilities. And I think it's our responsibility to do what we have to do to protect each other. But does that justify the police breaking social distancing in order to cuff and arrest people who are minding their own business. Now, you may have seen the story that went viral a few days, about last week, I believe. A guy was paddle boarding by himself in the ocean and the Coast Guard came. He, he went to shore and then he got arrested. Local police, I believe, then came and arrested him, cuffing him, touching him without gloves or masks, violating social distancing in order to what? Make a point about somebody? When they, when they started locking down all these states, it was not supposed to be implemented in this way. They were saying things like, you can still go out, you can still go shopping, go exercise, go for a walk, walk the dog, just don't come out in large groups. So why do we then see a dude minding his own business, paddleboarding, getting arrested? Some expert claimed that the virus was in the water and the water was kicking up into the air and then the virus was coming into it, becoming an aerosol and you could get infected. You couldn't pay me a million dollars to go to the beach, she said. That is insane. Okay, well, you, you just made that up. I get it. A lot of people have been going to the beach and ignoring social distancing. And so they're trying to figure out a way to stop it. But when they, when they implemented these lockdowns, which of course were never codified in law, it wasn't supposed to be that a dude with his daughter playing t-ball would be cuffed and put in the back of a cruiser. You're, you're violating the actual spirit of the lockdown order in order to make some twisted point about people in a park. I have several stories for you that we're going to read through to show you exactly how this stuff fails. Authoritarianism doesn't work for several reasons. Someone will pass a law. They'll say, hey, this law makes sense. People shouldn't be in, in groups. We should be social distancing. And everyone says that makes sense. And then the police break social distancing 
violating what was intended of the law to do something literal under the law. And there are many stories about this throughout history. We'll pass a law saying, well, we know this law is really meant to do these things. And then sure enough, what do we get? We get a literal interpretation, which ignores why you actually need to do these things. Let's start with the first story. A man and his daughter and his wife violating no ordinance, no law, doing nothing wrong. Dad actually gets cuffed. And I I believe you can say to a a degree arrested. He wasn't actually uh, processed, but he was put in the back of the cruiser cuffed. And then he was released. Amazing, isn't it? This is a story from Fox 31. They say man handcuffed in front of his daughter at Brighton Park for allegedly violating social distancing. Look at all these cops. They, apparently, there's a sign that said, you can't go to the park in groups of four or more. And the guy, his wife and his daughter are three people. And they're a family. They live together. And look at all the cops that showed to deal with this. Matt Mooney feels Brighton police owe him a huge apology. The 33-year-old said he was handcuffed at Donaldson Park in front of his six-year-old daughter Sunday afternoon after police told him he violated the state's social distancing guidelines. Since when were we getting arrested for violating guidelines? I, I seem to recall a process of judicial oversight legislation and legislation where a law will be passed and then we will, you know, and, and, and there's oversight, there's, there's a discussion, there's a debate and a vote perhaps, depending on how it's being implemented, not decree, but apparently now we're here. Is that, is that, is that it that we're seeing local uh, politicians just rule by decree, violating a guideline? Mooney told Fox 31 Problem Solvers, he refused to pro- provide his identification to three police officers because he was confident he wasn't doing anything unlawful playing t-ball with his wife and daughter in the park. She's like, Daddy, I don't want you to get arrested. At this point, I'm thinking there's no way they're going to arrest me. This is insane. I'm telling her, don't worry. Daddy's not going to get arrested. I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> don't worry about it. And then they arrest me. Yeah, as somebody from Chicago, man, it's kind of cute hearing someone be like, no, no, these cops aren't going to arrest me for no reason. I did nothing wrong. It's like, dude, you know, authoritarianism, it doesn't work. But don't don't expect them to follow the actual rules. Or actually, I should put it this way. They'll follow the rules. Literally, it's not it's not up to them to to interpret necessarily. Former Brighton City Councilman Kirby Whalen recorded much of the incident on his cell phone where you can hear his voice narrate the scene. He's being taken by the Brighton police for playing softball with his daughter in an empty park. In an interview with the Problem Solvers, Waylon said, I find it hard to believe with all the things going on in our communities, the only way to resolve a situation like that was to handcuff a father in front of his daughter. Now, it's called walking away. It's like you're just, you're just with three people or whatever. Bye. There's a, really, there's a really funny video I watched. These people do these 2A audits, Second Amendment audits. And it's like this guy walking around with like an AR-15, and the cops pull up and he's all like, oh man, here they come. The cop stops him and says, you know, I, I just want to check your, your, your weapon, sir. And the guy's giving him the business a little bit. He's like, I have a right to do this. And the cop's like, I know, I, I understand. The cop takes it. He looks at it, he checks it and says, I've determined it's not a fully auto, a fully auto weapon. You are entitled to, to carry this. I apologize for the inconvenience. And the guy's like, that's right. And then the cop was like, thank you for being out here. I support your rights. And the, the funny thing about this is there are a lot of people who have a knee jerk reaction that every cop is the same way, that they're going to be a mindless drone, that they're going to come and be like, I don't care if you, you know, you can't have that weapon. But no, in that instance, the cop was like, thanks for doing it. Appreciate it. I, you have your right to do so. I just got to check to make sure it wasn't full auto. You can argue that he, he wasn't allowed to, but no, I think police are allowed to reasonably stop and ask someone, hey, by the way, is that good? You're good. Okay. In this instance, you have the opposite. The cops could have walked up and been like, howdy, sir. How's it going? Playing softball? We got to call. Some people were concerned. Just the three of you? Have a go, man. Stay safe out there. That's it. That's all you needed to do. 
But apparently some people want to, you know, I've seen these videos. Don't ask me why or how or how many, but it's, it's insane to me. You see these videos. There was one guy who was like cleaning up trash outside of his apartment building. This went viral and a cop demanded his ID. And he was like, nope. He's like, I'm just cleaning up trash. It's my, it's, I live here. And he ended up getting, I think he got arrested or something for it. It's like, dude, at a certain point, you need to chill out and just walk away. What's the big deal? Guy's playing softball with his daughter. The sign at Donaldson Park said closed, but in smaller print reads, in groups of no more than four persons, parks remain open for walking, hiking, biking, running, and similar activities, which most people don't do in large groups anyway. So it's fine. Mooney was just there with his wife and daughter. He said it was the officers who were violating social distancing guidelines. During the contact, none of the officers had masks on. None of them had gloves on. And they're in my face handcuffing me. They're touching me. It's so stupid. If we're going to go, if, if we're going to go ahead and start arresting people for no reason in front of their six-year-old daughter, you're just going to cause more problems later on. Brighton police posted a vague statement on its Facebook page Sunday that made no mention of Matt Mooney or his arrest. Instead, it simply stated the Brighton Police Department is conducting an investigation into a situation that occurred late this afternoon at Donaldson Park. This is an active investigation, and so we are unable to provide additional information until the investigation is complete. You know what my problem is right now? In Philadelphia, okay, I'm in the suburbs, I'm not in the city proper. They're saying, we're not going to arrest people for certain things. They're like, we're not going to arrest people for theft, for robbery, for you know assault. They're like certain nonviolent offenses, you know, like burglary, auto theft. They're not, they're going to delay arresting, they said. And this kind of policy is popping up all over the place. So you mean to tell me right now you are letting criminals out of jails. You are not arresting criminals and you're cuffing a dude playing softball with his daughter. Authoritarianism doesn't work. This is exactly why. And, and we have this, we, I, I got more stories for you, man. NYPD's aggressive policing risks spreading the coronavirus. Yes, that's exactly the problem. When the police come out, and start grabbing people instead of just saying like, go home. You're, you're, you're breaking the social distancing yourself, man. And now guess what? The NYPD, I believe around like 10 or so percent of the department. Oh no, it's more than that. It's like 14 or 15. They're out sick. Many of them actually have COVID. Now I get it. Some of these cops, they're doing a good job. I'm, I'm not here to, to, to claim that all cops are bad. That's insane. In fact, it is the, the, the small minority in my opinion, that ends up doing these stupid things. Because you, you can see the videos of people walking around New York talking to cops. I think Project Veritas had something out. And the cops are chill, man. If you've ever been to New York, for the most part, it's, it's, it's kind of chill. But there are certain circumstances where things get out of hand. And one of, the, one of the mistakes a lot of people make when, when dealing with police is they assume the cops know everything they do. And they don't. So if a cop comes up and he was told something and all he knows is this guy might be dangerous, don't be surprised if they're aggressive or angry or anxious or scared or something like that. So you got you to understand how to deal with these things. And there's a line. When it comes to a false arrest or being detained or something like that, unfortunately, you know, you, the, the number one rule you do is you don't speak, you shut up, you, you get your lawyer, you do it right. But in the immediate, you only make things worse by, you know, getting into a fight, by, by screaming and yelling and swearing. You got you to you 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 figure out how to navigate the situations. It's, it's messed up. Your rights are being violated but you want to try and win the long game. And so a lot, of, a lot of people can't think ahead. And I talk about this problem all the time. But if you're being wrongly arrested, keep your mouth shut, call your lawyer, and then fight back through the smart, you know, strategic way to do things. I understand there's principle behind it. A lot of people want to get up and scream and say, you can't do this. And, all, and I didn't do anything wrong. But even, if, even though this guy says I didn't do anything wrong, they still, they still arrested him. Now, I, I don't know if he was, you know, what exactly happened, but it does sound like an arrest. He was cuffed, put in the car, 
You don't necessarily have to be processed at a station to be arrested. So we can see this, but there's a, there's some funnier stories here. Check this out. Illinois mayor, Illinois town mayor is shocked after sending cops to break up parties amid coronavirus lockdown only to find his wife at one of them. You know what, man? I don't, I don't know what the solutions are because right now we've got loaded trains in New York city and cops aren't going out there and doing anything. What, why, why not? We've got, there's a video of a drone flying around New York saying, please keep within six, you know, away, six feet away from people. The problem with authoritarianism is that you end up with a small group of people or an individual who thinks he knows better than the collective. You have a small committee or a body that says, we're going to do these things. We're not going to let people choose for themselves. And when you do that, you're basically shutting down a decentralized network, which is substantially smarter than you. It's the same thing, whether it's economics or the law, for the most part, in my opinion. More freedom within reason is better. Now, of course, we have to restrict certain things. And, and, and I think government does a fairly decent job in, in certain areas. If somebody commits a crime, then we, we, we go and you know, they're held accountable to whatever extent they can be held accountable. But when you have an authoritarian system that says, just go out and arrest everybody, just, just if they're out, we're going to arrest them. Well, then the system can't sustain itself. It'll, it'll just cease to exist. That's when you get people revolting and going crazy and breaking things down because the system has become too much to bear. In this instance, this guy's wife was at a party and then he actually had to apologize. He said, I am embarrassed, embar- I am embarrassed by this incident and apologize to the citizens of Alton for any embarrassment this, this incident may have caused our city. You know what? I don't want to tell you, man. No one gave you the right to shut down parties. We have a right to assemble. We have a right to worship, a right to the free press. And already all of that is being quashed. What you're watching right now on YouTube, for instance, YouTube has announced they're going to be banning content that talks about a certain thing. I can't even say it. Can't even say it. A certain cellular technology. And if I actually talk about what it is, YouTube will suppress and demonetize this video. If a private you know, entity is taking over the commons where we have our conversations and communicate, well, then we got a serious problem with our rights being eroded. And this is exactly what happens. There are so many examples of the failures of authoritarianism. It's, it's, it's mind boggling that people would still try to implement these things. Maybe, maybe someone should have told these people and give them an exa- explanation. But you know what? It's the simple solution. It's the easy answer. That's why they always do it because humans don't learn and they don't plan ahead. Obviously, humans learn, but many people don't. You, like, it's because people live one life with one life experience. They tend to default to the same mistakes we make in the past. You cannot come out and just start doing these things. Someone tweeted, like, do you want a boogaloo? Because this is how you get a boogaloo. You go around arresting a dad playing softball with his daughter. Granted, if you get, it, has, it has to get more extreme, but I'm reminded of V for Vendetta. You ever see V for Vendetta? At the end, when the little girl is skipping wearing a mask and the cop shoots her and then the people snap and they just end up coming up, <laughs> beating the crap out of the cop. That's what happens. There are limits. Now, we as Americans, our limits are, sh- are we got short fuses. We, we very much are, don't F with me, leave me alone. Our culture is built on it. We're the descendants of people who said, don't you dare, you know, don't tread on me. I, sh- I, I suppose I should say this. I, I believe the Gadsden flag was like a revolutionary war flag. So we're descendants of this. Over in Europe, not so much. You know, I, I actually was thinking about why it is that Americans love freedom so much and even to this day. And I do think it's, it's deeply ingrained in our culture. But take a look at the people in Europe who went off to the, to the new world versus the people who stayed. The people who stayed, were, uh, stayed there were probably either too poor to do it or were fine with it. But then there were indentured servants and there were colonists who were like, I would, la- I would rather live in the wilderness than be here being told what I can or can't do. 
So the people who came here said, I will find something new and better and I will do what I want. You can't tell me what to do. And then we declared a revolution because of it. I don't care what you say. I'll do what I want. And our culture is built upon it. So there are some countries where you watch, like in the Philippines, you had the, the Duterte. I think he's like what the president or something told. He said, shoot people who break quarantine. There are a lot of people whose culture is rooted in that. Like in China, there's a lot of people who just don't speak up and don't speak out and they get disappeared if they do. In America, our fuses are much shorter. You start treading on us like this too much and people are just going to say, you know what? F it. And they're going to do whatever they want. And it's one of the reasons why we have a Second Amendment, because people are going to straight up tell you to your face. So so you know, I'll, I'll read this one. I won't keep this one too long. But as you can see, you this coming out and, and, and screeching about, you know, social distancing and other people, the, the, the policing in this heavy handed way doesn't actually solve any of the problems. It makes them worse. But I, I will leave with one final thought. Florida man, hey, Florida man, assaulted female Dollar Tree cashier over social distancing argument, police say. We have another, I, I don't much care for the, the, this story in its entirety, but the point I want to make is a lot of the arrests that are happening are because people are snitching on each other. Because we do have a, a people who love to just be like, ooh, they're out. And apparently in New Zealand, the 911, they had this service to, to rat on your neighbor for breaking social distancing. It, had to sh- it was shut down because it was too popular. People love it. There was a party in New Jersey and all the neighbors called and they're like, they shouldn't be doing this. Oh, tattletales. People love being the panopticon. They love being the problem. The problem with government is the collective just desire for power from people. And they want to exert that over other people. It's cancel culture times a million. It's not going to work. And it's bad. I hope you enjoyed the segment and my, my joke. I hope you enjoyed the bit I did about Patrick Henry. Uh, I will see you all at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast. It's my main channel. It's a different channel from this one. Thanks for hanging out. I, I got a question for everybody. You see, uh, the media here, Huffington Post, leftist media, they're angry at Devin Nunes because he referred to the homeless problem in California with coronavirus as kind of a zombie apocalypse. And now they're, now they're feigning this outrage. My question is, how come they're all bent out of shape over this when they very obviously don't care about the homeless? I mean, if they did, they do something about it, right? But they don't, which is why they have a very serious homeless problem. I will also point out too, throw a little shade at Devin Nunes. I think it's silly to be talking about this problem. It's like, it's your district, man. This is the place you're supposed to be representing. Like, you can help fix this problem too. Um, look, I, th- I think calling it a zombie apocalypse is a little insensitive. Am I going to cry all day and night about it? No. But of course, people in media are always, or I should say the leftist media are always looking for something to be angry about. And here it is. Let me, t- let me ask you a question, Huffington Post. Are you going to go down and, and, and grab a ladle and start giving out soup? Are you going to try and help these people? Why is it that people in California, and this includes Nunes or anybody else, why are they unable to solve this problem? I'll give a shout out because I know, you know, some of these politicians, they're probably concerned about it, but they're not they're not solving it. Maybe it can't be solved. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, for now, stop pretending like you're so outraged. and It's so offensive when you're not doing anything about it. I know because I used to work. I, I worked in, in nonprofits in California dealing with homeless issues. Now, there is a very serious issue in California, and that's their plan to, you know, put uh, uh, homeless people in hotels, which might actually give them the right to stay there forever. Let's get started, though, with the outrage over Nunez calling it a zombie apocalypse. Look, I got to be fair. I mean, he makes an interesting point, whether it's insensitive or not. You've got a bunch of people in the streets walking around, and if they're sick, 
They're going to be spreading this. And what do you do? You can't tell them to stay home. They don't have homes. Devin Nunes of California compared the homeless to zombies. Yeah, and South Park did too. So calm down. In a Fox News interview on Sunday and claimed they may have extra protection from the novel coronavirus because they live outside. One of the positive things in all of this is that if you're outside in the outdoors, you're social distancing, he said. We haven't seen it run through the homeless population, at least that we know of yet. It's not yet clear how impacted the homeless population has been, but they are considered a vulnerable group. California Governor Gavin Newsom warned last month that up to 60,000 homeless people could be infected as he launched a $150 million effort to move them into hotels, trailers, and other forms of housing. You see, this is the problem. Oh, it makes my head hurt. There was a study I saw that said people who are outdoors have, you're substantially less likely to contract this outdoors compared to indoors, which is one of the reasons why we're telling everyone to stay home. You, and, and why we're saying you can go out and go for walks. Again, throwing some shit at all these cops who are arresting people for no reason because they're out playing softball. Indoors, you're in a confined space. Everybody be touching everything. Your chance of contracting this is actually higher. At least that's one of the reports I've seen. The homeless people outside, yeah, it's bad. We don't want, we don't want them to be homeless, but they're less likely to get sick. If you, if you start putting all of them in hotels, you're going to concentrate things. They don't seem to think through what they're doing, do they? Nunes complained that he has several thousand homeless just in my district. Well, I got to be honest, Evan, maybe you should figure out something to solve this problem. Like I'm like, nobody gets a free pass. Nancy Pelosi represents San Francisco and there's poop all over the streets. California is an awful place. I call it zombie apocalypse because a lot of these people have done drugs for a long period of time. You know, they're just not well. Nunes has made, no, made a number of eyebrow raising comments about the pandemic last month as the number of cases grew and public health officials cautioned against public gatherings. Nunes said it was a great time to just go out, go to a local restaurant and suggested visiting your local pub. Yes. I, I, you know what, man? Not, and, and so did the Democrats in New York City. And so did Nancy Pelosi. So this one, I just don't, I'm not, I don't care about. But here's, here's what's disconcerting. What happens when they spend, you know, $150 million, put all these homeless in hotels, and then based on California squatting laws or whatever, you can't kick them out. It's actually how it works. Check this out from Pluralist. Uh, actually, it's, it's actually Reuters. They say homeless takeover SF hotels, liberal law says they might have a right to stay there forever. The coronavirus crisis is beginning to do something to the, uh, the city of San Francisco has been unable to accomplish for years move homeless people off of the streets and into shelters, including some of the city's now empty hotels. Faced with the prospect the virus could rip through the nearly 10,000 people who live in the streets and shelters, city officials are securing 4,500 rooms for those who need to self-quarantine. The rooms would also be for homeless residents who need to isolate themselves and cannot be sent back to the community without risking infecting others. The hotels may additionally house a high risk, may, may additionally ha- house high-risk individuals among the 19,000 people living in single room occupancy buildings with shared kitchens and bathrooms who similarly cannot self-isolate. At least 160 people who either tested positive for COVID-19 or were awaiting results were being referred to hotels as of March 25th, officials said. The hospitals will not discharge them off the street, said Trent Rohrer, executive director of the city's human services agency. They'll only discharge people who are able to self-quarantine. We regret it. We, we, we get it. Progressive San Francisco lawmakers want to triple the number of rooms to 14,000, enough to shelter all of the homeless and some additional people from the SRO buildings. On Thursday, lawmakers said the first known case of COVID-19 
uh, had been confirmed in a homeless shelter and reiterated their demand to put residents into private rooms. So I, I understand, right? It makes sense. They say overdosing in the tenderloin. Are they going to talk about the law? On uh, In San Francisco's, here we go. They say a move to hotels may be the most aggressive intervention in years to address homelessness in the liberal leaning Bay Area. In San Francisco's central tenderloin neighborhood, tent encampments still line the streets after city officials issued stay home orders. Quote, People are supposed to stay in, but I don't see how that's possible when there's a lot of us around. Jackie Sismowski, 28, who has been homeless on and off since 2012, said as she walked in the Tenderloin wearing rubber gloves and an N95 mask. I'm, I got a house and a job, and, and even I don't have an N95 mask. They were all sold out. City officials said San Francisco already has 1,055 rooms under contract, but declined to release the names of hotels in the program saying that doing so could violate health privacy laws and stigmatize the properties. Anam Singh, president of United Here Local 2, the union that represents more than 14,000 San Fran hospitality workers, said he knew of two local budget hotels near the Tenderloin that have signed on to take quarantine guests. So I, I, I got to stop and say, a lot of these hotels are shutting down. This might actually give people jobs. So for the time being, maybe it makes sense. Now, I think concentrating everybody in a hotel could be a bad idea, but if it's done properly, and I'm not confident they'll do it properly, it could probably be a good thing. So, you know, give them some credit here. More importantly, it could be opening up the economy. People who worked in hotels who didn't have jobs are being told, you know, hey, come back. So we're gonna have a bunch of people coming in. Singh said the city is providing training and protective gear for union cleaners at the hotels. You could end up in a situation where these crucial facilities that are intended to stop the spread of COVID-19 could instead lead to outbreak clusters. That's exactly what I'm saying. Louis Charlie's, uh, Charles Brown, 51, who lives in a building with shared bathrooms in the Tenderloin, paced the streets recently trying to warn his neighbors about COVID-19. This will kill you and it ain't a joke, he said. They need to reopen up a church, quarantine and do something because they say it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, well, OK, they don't actually mention the law, but let me just talk about the squatting laws and how it may, may work. I'm surprised they don't actually bring this up. That's the headline of the article. Thanks. Good job, pluralist. So in many jurisdictions, if you live in a place for 30 days, they can't actually kick you out. It's one of the reasons why hotels won't let you stay at, you know, many hotels have extended stay for options. And many hotels say you can only stay for up to two weeks. You stay there too long. All of a sudden now you're a permanent resident. There's some famous story of a woman in New York who they, they accidentally let her stay for one month in a hotel a long time ago with a really, really cheap, you know, uh, daily rental cost. She ended up staying there for like decades because they literally could not kick her out. And they also couldn't change the rate of the room or something like that because of some laws about extended stay and how hotels are supposed to operate. So you, you're actually now creating a circumstance that may solve temporarily the homeless problem because the hotels will have no choice. Well, actually, no. Here's what, I, here's what I imagine will happen. If you put all these people in the hotels, many of them are homeless because they can't afford to pay. If they're now living in the hotel, they'll have to be evicted at a certain point, and that'll be difficult. So this will be temporary. Many of these hotels will likely be hurt by this and go out of business if these people choose not to leave. Or perhaps the city will be forced to continue paying for it and then inadvertently convert these hotels into permanent homeless shelters. It's not going to solve the problem. Now, I knew I threw a little bit of shade at Democrats and even Nunes early on about the homeless problem. I understand firsthand how difficult it is because many of these people want to be homeless. This is just true. It's just a sad reality. I don't know why they flocked California. Perhaps it's the weather. I've read some reports and based on my understanding working in the, in the nonprofit field, it's not really about the weather. It's probably more to do with California's lax laws 
and the community, the community of people that, that have built, you know, built up over a long time. You have big tent cities of homeless people. So other homeless people come in because it's safer in numbers. I don't know how the, the squatting laws are necessarily going to work in California. I don't think it's fair to call it a zombie apocalypse. I don't think it's fair to get all bent out of shape and attack Devin Nunes. I ultimately just think these people need to solve this problem once and for all, and they're not doing it. You want to throw shade? It's, it's funny because it's almost like you've got, act, you've got people who are actually suffering and, and, and you know are homeless, and then you've got politicians slinging mud at each other. That's completely irrelevant. We'll see what happens after they get put up in these hotels, though. I have a feeling they're going to be there for a very long time. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. The image that you are looking at is real, and it shows Chuck Schumer not understanding what face masks are for and not understanding how to put them on. I can't believe this is real, but yes, it is real. I got another story, another one. Congressional Democrats also don't know what masks are for. What is going? I, you know what, man? It's funny, right? I'm sure a lot of people are laughing at it, but think about how insanely annoying it is that these people are trying to pass laws uh, dealing with coronavirus and they don't even understand what's happening around them. Chuck Schumer was recently on CNN talking about how we need a coronavirus czar, a stupid, nonsensical, pointless thing to, to suggest to Donald Trump, who already has someone overseeing everything. Mike Pence, the vice president. You can't do better than that. I guess unless you said it was the president, but if you don't like Trump, fine. You got Pence doing it. Chuck Schumer on CNN was, was trying to argue that we needed a centralized command or whatever, which we, which we have. And the dude doesn't even know how to put a mask on. I kid you not. This is a real over at the New York Daily News, there it is. He was walking up to give a press conference or something in, in New York City, I guess. And, and, and for those that are listening, let me explain. He's got the mask over his mouth. His nose is completely exposed. He's not, are you, you're breathing through your nose, dude. Oh my. And I'm going to listen to this guy. Pluralist writes, Chuck Schumer was roundly mocked this week after photos emerged of the Senate Minority Leader failing in his attempt to properly wear a face mask amid the coronavirus pandemic. Schumer announced Saturday that he had started wearing a mask while going out on walks in New York. Yeah, okay, wearing it wrong, it doesn't count, dude. Here's one. Someone said, I had to rewind and hit record and sent it to my mother-in-law, who is, uh, who is an ID nurse. He then pulled it off from the front and put it in his suit pocket. Oh, jeez. These people have no idea what they're doing no idea what they're talking about. I will give Schumer credit in that he's trying, but look how incompetent and inept this guy is. All right. You know what? There's more. Quote, I am wearing yesterday for the first time, given the recommendation of the experts, I wore a mask. I didn't enjoy it, but you have to do it. One of the big problems here we've had from the beginning, we have to listen to the experts, the medical experts. Yes. And they didn't tell you to put the mask over your mouth and not your nose and then breathe through your nose. What's the point of wearing the mask? As a top Senate Democrat, Schumer has found himself at the forefront of certain aspects of the coronavirus response. He has also criticized President Donald Trump's handling of the crisis and asked the president to fully invoke the Defense Production Act. Schumer on Sunday offered up several candidates to serve as a potential czar to lead medical equipment disbursement efforts across the country, the Hill reported. Meanwhile, several news outlets published photographs of Schumer donning the mask, but neglecting him to pull it above his nose. And, and, and look, I understand you might be saying he's not saying a czar for the whole thing, right? We have we have Rear Admiral Palauchik, who's in charge of what he's talking about. He's, he's just saying nothing. I mean, it's better than Pelosi and Schiff trying to investigate the president, but, but still. It wasn't long before the New York Democrat became the butt of Twitter jokes. Please tell me that's photoshopped, quipped conservative commentator Mark Dice. The mask position is absolutely useless. 
Just like the space he takes up in the Senate, tweeted user Ben Willard. Ooh, spicy. The leader of the Democrats, the party that cannot count people standing in a corner and don't know how to wear a mask, one commenter said. Others pointed out that Schumer wasn't the only congressional Democrat struggling with how to properly put on a mask. Why does it look like she's wearing a dirty diaper on her face? Well, I'm not going to make fun of the mask, but these people don't know what they're doing. Some suggested Schumer could stand to benefit from reading books, such as how to use a mask for dummies. We also have this one. Photos show congressional Democrats can't figure out how to put their own put on their own face mask. As the U.S. coronavirus outbreak, outbreak grows in scale and severity, Democratic lawmakers are following medical experts' recommendations to wear masks to combat the spread of the virus. They are experiencing varying levels of success. Oh, geez, man. Varying levels. Maybe I'm just being a snooty elitist. Maybe that's just me. I, you know, I've watched TV shows, so I have a general idea of how to wear a mask. It's not always perfect. These medical dramas aren't based in reality. They try to be, but at least they wear the masks properly. Here we go. Here's Sheila Jackson Lee showing us the right way to wear a mask. Someone needs to tell her she needs to cover her nose too. Rep Al Green, a Texas Democrat, experienced similar difficulties. And he's the guy who's tried to impeach Trump like three or four times. Now I'm not surprised we're seeing this. Meanwhile, Virginia Democratic Governor Ralph Northam came under fire for slightly different reasons. Oh, man. Oh, man. Steve Guest says Governor Blackface, a.k.a. Virginia's Democratic Governor Ralph Northam, strikes again. In a striking moment, Governor Ralph Northam put on his own blackface mask. <laughs> what even NBC? Apparently, they deleted the tweet. He urged every Virginian to do the same. Some intrepid Twitter users offered up photoshopped images intended to guide Democratic lawmakers down the path towards fro- toward proper face mask usage. I got a new mask for him. All his friends are wearing them. And for those that can't see, it's a mask, but it says make America great again. New evidence. The CDC recently changed course on a previous recommendation, which advised against the blanket wearing of face masks to combat the spread of the coronavirus. In light of the new evidence, you know what? Let me just stop you right there, CDC. I think we realize what's going on. You see, the people in control think the ends justify the means. And, they, and to, a, to a certain degree, they have a good point. They tell people, hey, don't go to the beach, you'll get sick. And then people will get sick and we can't handle it. What do they do? People go to the beach anyway. They say, hey, don't go on the train because you will get sick and people will die. And, and you know what happens? People go on the train anyway. Because everyone thinks, not me, everyone else, not me, rules for thee, but not for me. It's what everyone does. So what you end up seeing is the government lies in hopes that this will actually change behavior. If they came out and said, please don't buy masks, our medical professionals need them. The fear is that people will run up full speed and say, but what about me? They'll go to the hardware store, they'll buy up all the N95s, they'll buy as many as they can, and they've been doing it. You know, you know, you know who I feel sorry for? I feel sorry for the people who have to paint their living rooms and they can't get the masks, you know, the paint and the smell and they want to wear the mask. I'm kidding, by the way. The medical workers need them. So the general idea is masks will help a little bit. For the most part, they stop you from spitting up and getting other people sick. But if you cover your nose and your mouth, you will slightly reduce your chance of, of, of catching this and you will reduce your chance of spreading this. That's the point. What ended up happening was you saw the World Health Organization and the CDC saying, no, you don't need a mask. You don't. And they were right, sort of. Instead of telling people the truth, they tried claiming that it was pointless or, or that you didn't need them. And it's not completely wrong, but the media overhyped everything and started making fun of people for buying up masks. Meanwhile, in Asian countries, they all wear masks. Meanwhile, the Democrats can't figure out how to wear them. That's a different, different issue. The point is, when you just wear a mask, 
the effectiveness compared to, say, a medical worker who has full PPE gear is dramatically reduced. So the maximum benefit would be getting the masks for medical professionals. That's just honest. And that's the, the truth. To come out and say you don't need it because it won't work is, is a, frankly absurd because everyone with any common sense would know a mask is going to help. Now they're telling people, use whatever masks you can. Wear a scarf, they say. I guess if you know how to wear it. They said the World Health Organization voiced concern on Monday that the wearing of medical masks by the general public could exacerbate the shortage for healthcare workers on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you. Thank you. Just be honest. It said lockdowns in many places are proving effective in dampening spread of the coronavirus, but any lifting of restrictions requires a calibrated stepwise approach based on data. European nations, including hardest hit Italy and Spain, have started looking ahead to easing their lockdowns as fatality rates have fallen. While Austria said on Monday it would start to reopen shops from next week, although it widened a requirement to wear face masks. World Health, or, uh, uh, World Health, uh, the WHO Director General Tedros, Ad, I'm sorry, this guy's name is hard to pronounce, Tedros Adhanam Ghebreyesus, uh, noting that several countries were considering new recommendations, said, first and foremost, medical masks must be prioritized for health workers on the front lines of the response. We are concerned the mass use of medical masks by the general population could exacerbate the shortage of these specialized masks for the people who need them most. Masks alone cannot stop the pandemic. Countries must continue to find, test, isolate, and treat every case and trace every, con- every contact. So basically what happens is you have these N95 masks. These are actually a bit more effective in combination with other PPE gear. They're very effective. They didn't want regular people buying those up. Once they uh, presumably bought up all the ones they could get their hands on, and now have a control of the N95 supply. Now they're saying, now you should wear a mask. You can't, look, you can trust them within reason. But for the most part, they're looking out for the general collective, which is is good in its own ways, but not for you as an individual. It's going to be on you to do your own research to figure out how to put a mask on. Because these Democrats, as we've seen, haven't actually tried to figure out how to properly wear a mask. And I'm I'm, I'm really shocked. I I got to admit, these, look at Chuck Schumer. This photo is ridiculous. What is, what is he doing? Has he never seen a picture of a doctor before? I don't, I don't get it. The, the mask is just over his mouth. Certainly he's seen another person wear a mask. You know, maybe these people are just so out of touch. They're such, you know, out of touch elitists in their ivory tower. They've never seen regular people who have, who have to wear masks. You've never seen a news article about people in Japan when they get sick, they wear masks. Prevents the spread. I'm not going to trust these people on their policy if they can't put a mask on. And, and, and I'll tell you what, I'm skeptical of the advice coming from the CDC and the WHO if they're now saying, oh, but now you should wear a mask. Yeah, okay, guys. I don't know, I don't know what, you, what you should or shouldn't believe, but that's the best we can do, I guess. Stick around. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. There's actually a lot of news coming from the southern border. As much as we don't hear about it, for the most part, we don't hear about the migrant caravans or immigration. We actually have a couple big breaking stories. The first uh, from just the other day, smugglers posed as border wall construction workers and a shootout ensued. But I'll tell you what, you just do a quick Google search of Ciudad de, uh, Ciudad de Juarez, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, and you end up with big breaking news about major shootouts. This one from US News, suspected cartel shootout kills 19 in northern Mexico. This is from April 4th in Ciudad Juarez. This stuff happens all the time. I was down in Mexico in December and I was thinking about like, oh, maybe I'll go up to the southern border, maybe visit Texas. And then some crazy news came out. I said it was a bad idea. Well, let's let's see what's going on with these people posing as construction workers. The Daily Caller reports 
Migrant smugglers reportedly posed as border wall construction employees, and one of them shot at a border patrol agent following a high speed chase. Smugglers on Wednesday entered the U.S. with vehicles designed to look like pickup trucks involved with border wall construction, carrying numerous illegal aliens, according to a report from The Washington Times. A dangerous encounter took place after border patrol agents became suspicious of the pickup trucks and began to follow them. The incident began on Wednesday when border patrol agents spotted two older model Ford F-250 pickup trucks, which had logos that read SWC Southwest Valley Constructors constructors driving near the Arizona-Mexico border. SWC is the name of the company that has been contracted to erect barriers in the Tucson sector. But agents were suspicious because the firm informed the agency that their fleet only uses the newer model F-250s. Ah, interesting. Agents then followed the trucks, which eventually split up. One of the vehicles led agents through a slow speed chase and stopped after an agent blocked the road with his vehicle. There were 15 illegal aliens inside that vehicle, according to court documents reviewed by the Washington Times. The other vehicle chase, however, proved more dangerous. The other pickup truck led agents on a high-speed pursuit, smashed into an agent's vehicle, and then sped off again. When the truck eventually stopped moving, shots were fired. And these are the people that they're arguing should get access to stimulus and our health care. You want to talk about the people who are showing up to the border and saying, please help me? 100%. We'll figure it out. You want to talk about the people that are shooting at our law enforcement agents and crashing into their vehicles, and now they deserve access to our financial system? The individuals ran off into Mexico. The pickup truck he left behind had four illegal aliens inside. While Customs and Border Protection did not confirm the details in the report to the Daily Caller News Foundation, a spokesman did confirm the shit had occurred. On April 1st, 2020, at approximately 2.30 p.m., a Border Patrol agent from the Tucson sector was involved in a failure-to-yield incident an agent involved shooting near Douglas, Arizona, Robert Daniels said to the DCNF on Monday. No injuries were reported at the time of this preliminary report. CBP said that the Federal Bureau of Investigations is leading the investigation into the incident, a typical action when a shooting of a Border Patrol agent is involved. The FBI did not respond to a request from comment from the DCNF. But this isn't the only story. There's actually many other stories, and there are even concerns about the actual border wall workers uh, and in New Mexico and coronavirus. Check out this story. I, I don't know how much of you, you know, how, much, how many of you guys care about this stuff because it happens all the time. And it's one of the reasons why I don't do consistent segments on it. But I figured at least for now, this being rather important news and it happening kind of frequently, we should at least get some kind of update on it. Uh, US News reports, it's, a, it's from Reuters actually, a shootout between suspected drug cartel hitmen has, kill, uh, has killed 19 people in the northern Mexico state of Chihuahua, the state government said on Saturday in one of the country's worst outbreaks of gang violence this year. There are two criminal groups fighting over drug trafficking routes to the United States, Chihuahua's Attorney General Cesar Peniche told Reuters. And what happened when Donald Trump said that these people weren't our best and they're bad people and they're criminals? They said that he was talking about every single Mexican ever. He wasn't. When Donald Trump was talking about them not sending their best, my assumption was that he was talking about this, people killing each other in a desperate attempt to seize access to the United States to bring drugs here, killing 19 people. Security forces found 18 bodies on Friday evening at the site of the gunfight in the municipality of Madera. And a wounded man picked up at the scene later died of his injuries, the state attorney general's office said in a statement. They also secured 18 long firearms, two vehicles and two grenades, the statement said adding that the search for armed men and the investigation of the site was continuing. Local media reported 
that the gunmen belonged to groups linked to the Juarez cartel and the, the rival Sinaloa cartel, which Peniche said was correct. On Friday, Mexican President Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador said violence among criminal groups had persisted despite the outbreak of the new coronavirus in the country. It's, yeah, and it's funny because Mexico was downplaying the coronavirus and ignoring it. Now here we are. Sweden did the same thing. Look where they are. It seemed in late March, when the coronavirus had become more widespread, that we would have a considerable reduction in violence, Lopez Obrador said. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out that way. Last year, suspected drug cartel gunmen shot dead three women and six children, all members of a U.S. Mexican Mormon community in a daytime attack as they were traveling by car in the northern state of Sonora. So when Donald Trump wants to build border security, when the Democrats used to want security, it's because of this. It's because this stuff happens frequently. I kid you not. We have this story from April 4th, just a few days ago. And we have, we have this story from, uh, what is this, April 6th, but the incident occurred on April 1st. Is there only a few days apart where people are shooting at other people? What should we do? Well, Bernie Sanders and, and, and Joe Biden have now both talked about decriminalizing border crossings and putting a moratorium on deportations. We're seeing now across the country, even in Chicago and in New York, they're saying they're going to grant access to illegal immigrants, uh, access to our healthcare system and to our financial benefits. That is so insanely impossible. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I understand that we have to save the lives of everyone we can for now. We do. It's, it's, a, moral, it's a moral imperative. We must. But can we at least focus on what's going on at these border cities and who these people are who are coming here illegally? If Bernie Sanders had his way and they opened up the border and said, "Okay, it's a civil penalty for crossing, then these people would have such an easy time of smuggling people and drugs. And we don't want either of those things. Human trafficking is a very, very serious problem on the southern border. I don't understand why these Democrats don't want to take it seriously. I can only say it's the virtue signaling. They don't care about the fact that there are very serious coronavirus concerns on the border. Trump is securing the border. He's getting a, Trump is getting a lot of what he wants. But we have a lot of people coming into this country who might be sick, who aren't vaccinated, who can then bring these sicknesses here. It's one of the reasons why we have checkpoints. We can't sustain economics. We can't sustain our hospitals. We need to track who these people are and where they go. Right now, People are showing the flatten the curve graph, which you've, you've maybe seen, right? You've got the big spike of coronavirus. Then you've got the flatten the curve. We, we're not going to stop people from getting this, but we can draw it out so our hospital system can maintain itself, right? Some people are saying, you know what we should do? Raise the line. So we don't have to flatten the curve. We just increase our hospital capacity. Hey, that's a really great idea, which is impossible if you're allowing all of these people to just come in without any checks or balances, and then you grant them access to our system. How can you increase the line when more and more people would come in every single day? Dare I say the line would have to be increased just to maintain the, the, the general increase in population. More importantly, you get all the virtue signals who ignore all of this when it's convenient. They say Donald Trump accused, you know, called Mexicans rapists and other awful things. And I've talked to my friends about it and I'm like, no, he didn't. He specifically said these people coming here are not the best. They're criminals, they're drug dealers, and some of them maybe are good people. He's right. I mean, could he have phrased it better? Yeah, probably. But I just read for you two stories about shootouts, one of which was about people smuggling in illegal aliens. These people who are coming in would then be granted access to the stimulus package when they weren't even here doing anything. And the left will conflate immigrant and illegal immigrant. So you can't tell the difference. There's a difference. 
There's a difference between someone who came here six years ago, got a green card and is working very hard and they're an immigrant. And there's a difference between someone who on April 1st got in a truck with some criminals and then were driving across the border, ramming our law enforcement and shooting at them. Those people would also be given access to the same resources for the most part. What about someone who came here a month ago or two months ago? Why should they get a check in the mail? Why should they get access to our system? They're not contributing. They're leeching off of it. There are many people here in this country who are illegal immigrants who are very good people, but they broke the law. They overstay their visas. They enter illegally. And then they ask us for our resources. It is not possible to sustain this. I feel like it's almost pointless to say, you know, I have to admit, as of late, there's been a lot of stories where I feel like it's just pointless even talking about it because the people on, you know, people online in their echo chambers, they either already know it or they don't want to hear it. And now we're dealing with a major global pandemic and it seems like the world is frozen in place. We can only talk about these things so often. I mean, maybe I can just be hopeful that some of the people who are locked in their houses will end up watching the stuff as viewership goes up you know, to whatever extent it does, you know, some people it's not really going up, but maybe they'll end up seeing this. Maybe they're bored. Maybe they'll actually read the news. And maybe that's why Donald Trump's approval rating has been going up because people are now free up, you know, free to read these stories and to see exactly how bad it is in certain parts of the border on the Southern border. It's not a bunch of happy people coming across the border saying, yay, we've made it to the promised land. Even the people who come who are good people are wandering through the desert and dying and getting sick. And then you have people who are coming here with guns and attacking our law enforcement. These are not people who should be rewarded for this. It's, it's, it's nothing personal against the individuals. It's a problem we need, to deal, we need to deal with in that we should allow immigrants into this country. We do better than most other countries, but we have to do it safely for their sake and ours. I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. And uh, adios.